1: Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Yeah, I haven't done one just the two of us for quite a while. You ready? Should we
0: go? Yeah, yeah, I'm good.
1: Hello, so on a week where Kevin let down many and few prospered, we're back after a 3 0 victory for Man United, the routine one at Soar Villa at the end of yet another game week in this very, very odd restart period. I've had a very good week, so I'm in a very good mood, as you'll hear about in just a minute. But as always, I'm joined tonight by fellow late-night podder, Nick. Um, Unfortunately, no Anthony today, feeling a little bit under the weather. And uh, Nick and I, well, we're back to the old school, aren't we, mate? It's been a long time since it's just been the two of us. Uh, How are you doing? You all right?
0: Yeah, good, thanks. So, mate, uh, back to the old times again, indeed, just being me and you, yeah, and as you were saying, the football's been coming thick and fast, which is um, pretty good for me today, as I can get over the absolute drubbing that Salah gave my team uh, super quickly this week. Just say who we are. We are Who Got The Assist. Find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL for Tom, at WGTA underscore Nick for myself, at FPL Stag for the absent Anthony, and we're also on Instagram, WGTA dot so our main topic will be about money this week and how/where slash we spend it in FPL of course we're not talking about what you do with your excess savings that you might have <laughs> made over the okay. sort of covid period uh, due to not going to the boozer or having to travel over the last 6 months instead we're talking about FPL and yeah we're just going to do a little bit of tracking i think so to have a little look over the course of the season as to where the money's been spread and and where the money's being um, spread to now and uh, of course, we'll also be doing our usual features, starting with the market forces, as well as answering questions and discussing transfers slash captains. But firstly, let's start with that game week review. And it's, it's a real turnout for the books with you, Tom, isn't it? With your bench boosts. it's been the, the depths of despair to pure unbridling joy and a huge green arrow, which is what FPL is all about. So do you want to tell the story?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I've never actually had luck like this in the whole time we've done WGCA. It's just been absolutely mental. 121 points. Um, I went from 240k to in the top 100k in the space of one game week. Dear me, I, I don't really know what happened. It it just started incredibly fortunately. I removed Matt D for Dawson uh, last minute. remember last week, Nick, I was saying, yeah, you know, old Craig Mike Dawson, he might be worth a little look. Um, I Got myself up Dawson's Creek in the end, kind of last minute for Doherty. And uh, he scored, scored out of nowhere. And the week kind of continued not to from there, really. Pulisic coming through. Kevin De Bruyne, who I didn't captain. Sorry, guys, only getting an assist and one bonus from five goals. That is, that's unbelievable, frankly. We Mahrez scoring. Uh, Charlie Taylor, an assist and two bonus points, 11 on my bench. Dean Henderson with a seven on my bench as well. Oh, and Mo Salah last night as well with the 18-pointer after lots of people had sold. I know that people were hurting and I was feeling a bit bad yesterday about celebrating that too. But yeah, today uh, started off a bit innocuously. Just four points from Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's absolutely absolute toilet basically, and McCarthy. But yeah, Bruno, uh, my captain, came through, golden assist, and it's looking like he's going to get all three bonus. Mason Greenwood, again with a goal, again with bonus. And uh, Slabface Maguire as well, uh, Slabhead, he got a six-pointer, so... 121 i've never had a game we'd like it as wta i don't think i've ever had it in the past as well but yeah what what a turnaround really it's just everything went my way we all have one every now and again and it was just kind of my time it was just so fortunate i bench boosted as well uh, but thanks to everybody who's been so kind to me on twitter it's been, it's been very very nice how about you nick how have you gone
0: yeah yeah super impressive you've managed to actually outscore my team by half a century this game which is ridiculous so I, I scored 70 it's, it's now actually saying 68 as it looks like Mason Greenwood might have lost two of his bonus points and it's down to one now so it looks like it's it's 68 for my team and unfortunately that does mean a red arrow this week Um, I'm, I've dropped about 10k overall rank in total so uh, the gap is a lot smaller between myself and you and you, You've easily got a chance now of pipping me as well for the season, so we'll see how that turns nah, out. No a way. Excitement there, <laughs> but yeah, I, to be honest, I felt like the game started off really well, like and quite positively with that sort of Pulisic um, return and Mario's getting that early goal. Uh, but I think it just it quickly disintegrated generally. Which just, just De Bruyne was captain, he only got an assist in that five. You know, hammering of Newcastle was just unfortunate. I think you created about seven chances or something. You really should have had a few more assists in that game. And I saw Wolves lose their clean sheet at the last minute, which seems to be a regular occurrence for my team. So that was a bit rubbish. And then, then we had the Liverpool game, and I own Sadio Mane. And he decided to come on the 60th minute and do his best Eddie Nketiah impression by getting a yellow card within two minutes, meaning zero points. Meanwhile, um, Mo Salah got a brace and assist and, and free bonus, which is just obviously horrific stuff. Um, played Mason Greenwood, though, got an attack and return um, in the game tonight. Um, but Marcus Rashford um, ultimately did nothing again. So that was a little bit frustrating. So um, yeah, generally obviously disappointed with the the red arrow, but um, you know, um, only a few more game weeks to go.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm sure you'll get it back. I mean, you've, you've, Obviously, had when we started, you had a fantastic couple of weeks. I'm sure it's just a case of variance, and next week, I'm sure you'll be back on uh, on a positive upturn. Um In Anthony's absence, um, I'm not going to do an Irish accent for those hoping I will, um, because he'd absolutely slay me next time we next time we meet. Um, but he had a decent week actually. Um, I think it looks like he's going to come in at 78 points overall. He had John Egan, he finally actually played him incredibly, got the 15 points, the vaunted defender 15 points were off him, uh, had Bruno tonight and captain Riyad Mahrez and also had Pulisic and De Bruyne. A few issues though, first bench was Charlie Taylor with 11 points. The second thing is he captain Mares Mahrez for uh, eight points, but to get Mahrez, he sold Mo Salah. <laughs> Who I'm guessing he probably otherwise would have captained. So yeah, a bit of a mixed bag for Anthony there. I'm sure he would have got. He's going to get a green arrow, but um, equally, I think he's going to. Probably be uh, casting this as a case of uh, bad luck continuing. So, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag for him. But I mean, still, I mean, seventy eight is is okay. Um, especially where uh, I guess where he is overall. That's like he's definitely got a bit of substantial green arrow. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to. Uh, I'm, I'm sure again he'll have something crazy lined up for, for next time. Because I was a bit surprised he, he went for he went for that move to be honest. And I'm I'm sad that he's not here for us to uh, challenge him on it. But
0: there we go. Yeah, no, well done, Anthony. Anyway, green arrow is always um, positive. It's been such a sort of negative period for him, hasn't it been? And especially since the restart, lots of red arrows. I'm sure he'll be relatively pleased with the, um, the the green there. But um, we're going to move on to our market forces section, um, just looking at the the key trends in the market, who's moving up, who's moving down. And um, yeah, so I talked about the last few weeks, it's been sort of Manchester United theme. Um Again, it's it's less of a Manchester United theme this game week, perhaps because um, they've only just finished their match. But um, having just refreshed, actually, um, at half time, Mason Greenwood was on 68,000 chances in just around the time he scored. Um, He's he's now gone up to 96,000 chances in and and rapidly rising. So by the time you you listen to this, it might even be 200,000. Literally, just pressing refresh again, it's now 110,000 chances in. So the match is finished and managers are. Buying him in their droves clearly because, um, oh, absolutely, he's, he's 4.7 million, so he's absolutely dirt cheap. <laughs> um, and he's scoring week in, week out now as well. That's four goals in three games and an assist as well for the youngster. So, um, yeah, everyone now jumping on that Mason Greenwood bandwagon. Um, Rashford actually hasn't appeared in the Chancellor's Out quite yet, but he might be sold, he might be one of the people that's leaving people's teams to to bring in Greenwood and also free up a few funds because he he did blank again. But the other Manchester United player that's been brought in, who's now snuck into the top five, wasn't there earlier, is um, Bruno Fernandes. He's knocked um, Bakayo Saka out of the top five there. Uh, But um, Yeah, uh, 42,000 transfers in for Bruno Fernandes at the time of recording. Mm. Otherwise, Otherwise, the other midfielders and forwards being brought in are William ninety thousand transferred in. He's the second most transferred in player now. Everyone jumping on that William wagon finally. <laughs> and um, Vardy and um, Bournemouth up next. Obviously, seems to have found his shooting, but we'll talk about that later. Seventy six thousand transferred in, and also Christian Pulisic um, sixty three thousand transferred in. He's also really looked um, very very good in the last few game weeks.
1: Yeah, certainly. I think that, um, as you said, just I'm also refreshing here and just watching Mason Greenwood's uh, net transfers in rise and rise and rise. He's now, yeah, he's gone up from what you just said a second ago. Absolutely crazy. I mean, uh, 4.7 4. now. I mean, at the end of the season, regardless, um, he'll be, what, 5.4, 5. 5.5, 5. and he'll still be value. Like, absolutely crazy. Um, as you mentioned elsewhere, the, the Willy Wagon is, is rumbling. Um, Saka has been pushed out of the top five. And there's a couple of reactionary sort of moves as well. Uh, John Egan has been bought by uh, 35,000, it looks like here, which is interesting. He's just nudged up above Saka, actually. So 15-pointer. There are still some casuals playing. I'm a bit surprised to see that Mo Salah hasn't been picked up by too many. Maybe that's because of the price. and Maybe that's because a lot of people who do own him already are going to keep hold of him. 35% owned, um, but only bought by 34,000 so far. So um, it's definitely an interesting kind of uh, market at the moment. But who's been sold to facilitate these next?
0: John Egan, two goals in two games. Maybe um, people are replacing John Lundstrom for for another John, thinking that you know he's a new goal scoring John at Sheffield United. Who knows? Because uh, John Lundstrom's still being heavily sold, even though he's now back from injury. Fifty five thousand transfers out for him. Otherwise, there's also um, Todd Cantwell, who's apparently injured his hamstring, and nobody actually noticed until now. Um, apart from fifty five thousand managers that were hoping for a return and now sold him. And uh, Raul Jimenez, unfortunately, you know, he's been reliable Raul all season, hasn't he? But <laughs> not in the last few game weeks. His uh, longest dry spell of the season, I think it is. Um, so three games and no goals, no assists. So um, people getting rid of him. I benched him this week actually and, and got away with it. And like um, when I benched Mason Greenwood the previous week. So a lot of people um, setting Raul probably to... Bring in uh, Mason Greenwoods. And uh, the, the other man actually in your team, I don't know if you mentioned because he a bit embarrassing to own, but that's Dominic Calvert Lewin. Also, one point wonder this game week, hasn't scored or assisted since the restart, um, sold by 40,000 um, managers at time of recording.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's quite a few kind of going on there, aren't there? I've noticed as well that Rashford is uh, steadily gaining sales. He's been sold by 35,000 at the time of recording. Um, I mean, you're a Rashford owner and I heard your roar as he was thrown on goal at the very, very end there. There must be a lot of very, very frustrated Rashford owners out there who are just looking at the price differential between him and Greenwood and thinking, well, what the hell? Why do I own Rashford if Green was presenting better outcomes for less money? But yeah, no, overall, I'm, I'm not too surprised by all of the things that are going on, like Son as well, I'm sure he's going to pick up some sales over the time. He's still, I mean, 7.6% 7, 7, 7. owned now. And Mane as well, who didn't start against Brighton, sold by nearly 40,000, but you may well find that those people are punished because I'm guessing he's going to start against Burnley anyway. Um, but yeah, I guess what's interesting there is the key trend, there's a continued sort of prevalence of these kind of cut price individuals like Greenwood and Nick mentioned earlier that Saka as well was in the top five until the United game, just just now in terms of transfers in. And I guess that kind of drives us to have a look at where we, where should we spend our money? And this is a mixture, I guess of kind of looking at where we are now and, how things have progressed over the course of the season. Obviously, we not going to do this in too much depth, but we will stop tour just to kind of have a look at how things have gone over the course of the campaign. In, in midfield, certainly, we've been noticing the rise to a power five to end the season. FPL Diablo sort of set the tone here with his question this week. He asked if a four-five-one is optimal now due to the fact, you know, there's no value in the front line, he says, you know, Jimenez, as we spoke about on last pod, and Dominic Calvert-Lewing, as Nick said, an embarrassment to own. So this week, it's kind of, you know, general chit-chat about kind of cash allocation, as me and Nick would call it, portfolio allocation our jobs. What's the right way to spend our money, and how has that changed over the course of the season?
0: I think, yeah, just um, quickly thinking about FPL Diablo's question of 451 I'm, Still, I'm actually more of a fan of the 3-5-2 over the four-five run right now. Uh, big at the back. It was um, in vogue at the beginning of the season. Um, perhaps not so much in vogue now. And um, we've had a few questions on the last few pods, and it seems to interchange week in week out. But currently, I'm, I'm still in favour of the, sort of the the two forwards. Now, you know, with Mason Greenwood emerging and, and one another. We'll, we'll talk about forwards a little bit later. But there's certainly a few options out there. But to start with the defence. Um, big at the back. That was something that we were, we were quite keen on at the start of the season, wasn't it? Tom? Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely were. I mean, to take you back to the Halcyon days of game week one. Obviously, not everyone went big at the back, and it wasn't just us who were kind of underlining this theory. Uh, to name but of course not shame we still stand by this and I'm guessing these guys would too uh, Nick's bosom buddy uh, Neil Murray and of course the lads James at Surgeon down at FPL both you know they all, they all love this idea as well and it's just it's just value and the idea that defenders over the course of the season would give you that value Nick famously always said that uh, a wing back is always much better value over a second or third striker in your FPL team because over the course of the season they're going to score you more points for the money that you pay Big at the back is worth mentioning is not all five defenders being big boys. Um, So at the start of the season, it was the Rad. It was a back three of Robertson, Trent, as on Arnold, of course, and Dean. Um, But I think. we just got unlucky really with that to be honest I mean uh, I maintain it was unfortunate that Allison got injured and that more than anything led to the downfall of Dig at the bat at least in kind of popular uh, in the popular mind's eye I suppose a few early clean sheets there Nick I think we would have been laughing like in preparation for this um for this podcast I rewatched watched uh, Pookie's goal in game week one I'm 100% sure Allison would have saved that and uh Adrian being a prat in game week two and giving the ball to Ings and I just think all those points that were lost you know like I think that we would have uh, been laughing, wouldn't we, if those things hadn't have happened? So I think if Allison's injury and a few other bits and pieces were what really derailed that theory. You know, there were a few highlights like double clean sheet in game week four, double clean sheet again in game week six. But you know, the likes of lundstrom Martin Kelly, and Nick's case, Rico uh, became a lot more prevalent, didn't they? And then that meant kind of big at the back. Eventually, dissipated by sort of game week eight or nine.
0: Yes, yeah, it was the trend at the beginning. And and to be honest, like, I I stand by those arguments as you said it was unfortunate with Liverpool, but the main argument was that there's plenty of value in the defence. Expensive defenders cost five point five million, upwards seven million at a push. And when you compare to the sort of five point five million uh, defenders or the six million defenders versus forwards that were on offer at the same time, such as Troy Deeney or Andre Gray. There was no contest in terms of who the best assets were. And I remember even like at the preseason, we were looking at the prices when the prices emerged and we were looking, we were hoping for some really cheap midfielders, a few that caught our eye and we were a bit annoyed by their prices, actually, like the likes of Harvey Barnes and Dwight McNeil, coming, oh, yeah. um, so much more expensive than what we thought. were going to be and then you had the guys that scored 200 plus points last season in Trenton um, in Robertson and Van Dyke, and both of those guys being 7 million and 6.5 million and Trent being only 7 million you compared the prices of um, Trent at 7 million versus you know Mesut Ozil for instance in midfield at 7 million it was like no, no contest in terms of who would be returning the FPL points over the course of the season and yeah as you mentioned there were a few other assets out there like Lucas Dean who um, also caught our eye at the beginning of the season and some of the Manchester City defenders that we were eyeing up um, before Laporte got injured and, and basically killed the Manchester City defence as an option as well. In terms of big of the back, we're a bit unlucky how it worked out. And as you mentioned, Rico as well, you keep, you keep talking about Rico being my guide, the guide that brought me all this success. I just I think actually, of
1: you and I think of Diego Rico. I don't <laughs> know why.
0: Just, it, I actually, off the back of that, because I, I was basically thinking, no, he was crap for me. I was like, he's so rubbish for me. And you, you seem to be the opposite. So I thought, I better check my stats here. And uh, so over the course of the season, he got me five points the first time I played him. But after that, it was zero, one, 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 minus 1. Two, five, two, one. And I okay. missed all his eight and six and nine pointers. So it was it wasn't uh, wasn't great time for uh, uh, okay. No,
1: but
0: he was he was there right until I wild carded after after the break. So he was basically a mainstay in my team from game week one and kept coming on for one pointers. But the point still stands that he was doing well as a as a four billion enabler and the likes of John Lundstrom as well. Obviously was absolutely fantastic. And he fitted quite mm. well into sort of a four-man defence, to Patriot and Lundstrand, and then three other guys. And, and you were laughing all the way to the bank pretty much week in, week out with um, sort of a premium defence, especially with some of the Liverpool guys, even though they weren't keeping the clean sheets. The likes of Trent and Robro were still getting plenty of assists, so, um, especially for Trent, made him an absolutely um, brilliant asset over the course of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this season, because of the big at the back and how uniquely we'd pushed that, I think a lot of people did kind of go with that at the start of the year. And we definitely have seen kind of that money being pushed forward over the course of the season. Um, as mentioned, the likes of Lundstrand, Martin Kelly, and it turns out not for Nick, uh, Rico did enable that movement forwards in the likes of Soylen at 4.5 million being an absolute mainstay in many teams. It just meant that money moved forwards, right, overall. And now we kind of come to the point where we are looking at, I mean, we, there were a couple of weeks as we've kind of satirised uh, through the questions from J- James correll and uh, Desperate Duzan uh, where people were kind of flip-flopping about whether big at the back is a good thing. Now we're kind of of the mind that perhaps it's uh, time to be pushing that money forward again and we're at the point where we're kind of thinking are we even the golden goats like trent sellable is there any remaining value there and in a lot of cases like we're looking at it and thinking well it's hard to make a case for going for having that money at the back because you know for example fpl geek asked should we sell united assets to make room for forwards um Probably. I mean, probably you should have Martial, Greenwood and Bruno Fernandes at the moment, maybe based on tonight, maybe based on the last few weeks. And, you know, it's just looking at the case at the moment, the value seems to be completely disappearing from from the back and moving forward. Right, Nick? I mean, maybe the likes of VVD, the man that you were eyeing up is, is one of the only kind of levels of value there are.
0: Yeah, I, st- I still think Trent has value. He hasn't um, got many attacking returns recently, but Liverpool's still picking up their clean sheets. They've got Burnley at home. I fancy them for a clean sheet there. I wouldn't be actively encouraging people to sell Trent because certainly the one week I didn't have him this season, I got punished by a twenty-four pointer from the guy. So um, very much in the same vein as don't sell Mo Salah, I, w- I wouldn't sell Trent. I'd stick with him until the end of the season. I Probably would say, you know, you could potentially double up on Liverpool, but with Arsenal and Chelsea in 36 and 37, it might be a bit of a gamble now. And yeah, as, as you were saying, Tom, there's, there's not much value really there in terms of your options. Luca Dean, perhaps, back in the meta, picked up an assist tonight, didn't he? And um, they've got Wolves Sheffield United, Bournemouth at home. He'll probably be in my pre-hit game week 38 team. So um, he's one, perhaps, that I will consider, if you are, desperate to try and take some punts on some premium defenders or even still risk it on a Chelsea guy because they've got Sheffield United and Norwich at home though they have been pretty defensively suspect over the course of the season with Keppa, so that's a bit of a gamble but um, yeah in, in general pains me to, to say but there's, there's not as much value in the defence at the moment it's certainly more about the midfield but I think with the amount of cheaper options available in midfield and forward and because there are value picks it doesn't matter too much we're all kind of at this stage in the season where we're all Kind of a bit flush for cash now, aren't we? So you can you can afford to have some expensive assets in defence and expensive ad- assets in midfielders, especially with playing guys like Mason Greenwood because he costs you so little. So I'm I'm benching like an eight million forward, <laughs> in and right now. So uh, and and playing free defenders. So I think there's certainly still um, there's still value in defence, but it's it's starting to spread more to the um, other positions as these youngsters emerge, like Saka and Foden and, and Greenwood.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, I've got Maguire, um, I've got Dawson, who, um, as I detailed to you, Nick, so I was pushing him last week and then end up uh, taking my own recommendation to myself. Um, Dawson's uh, attacking uh, threat has been very decent amongst defenders. Um, Courtney Hawes, I'm not sure I believe the data, um, but Dawson's been, uh, yeah... A- consistently fairly threatening i've noticed in the watford game uh that he was the target of all of those pieces him uh, john egan and uh, uh you know that's taco and stuff so all the center backs basically you know who you're gonna get 90 minutes from i've got Maguire too and i've still got Trent, but a little bit worried about uh, the Burnley game but that's by the by i'm not gonna um speculate about that so let's go let's go to the forwards actually and um, rather before we move on to the midfielders because obviously as i said at the start that's the kind of the spicy bit at the moment it's worth noting, of course, that big up top also had its day. I know at the moment we're looking at the forwards as being a bit of a desolate wasteland. Uh, over time, it has had its moments. So well, game week one, there was a lot of Kane love, but less of a lot of better, I think. Um, but there was kind of a time when yeah, Abraham, uh, Vardy and uh, Jimenez or Rashford occupied our forts. So it was either the VAR or the badge. Um, Abraham is doing well since the start of the season. But after that Newcastle game, Vardy really exploded. He rose from 8.9 million to 10 million in the space of 10 game weeks. And uh, between game week 7 and 18, Vardy scored an astonishing 110 points. 28 more than the guy who was in second, who was Danny Ings, um, a guy who... We've both, I think, overlooked pretty strongly this season. That's by the by, I suppose. Jimenez as well, after a very slow start, dipped all the way to 7.1 million by game week 10, also found his feet by game week 12. He matched Ings actually between then and the restart. So between game week 12 and game week 29, Hings and Jimenez were on the same level. And between game weeks 12 and 16, I guess, was the real heyday for forwards. It was the vag for me, but I was enviously looking at Nick, who had gone for the VAR instead of Rashford. And uh, that was Rashford's time, wasn't it, Nick? He really propelled you up the ranks back
0: then. Yeah, certainly getting on Rashford at that particular moment was um, a really good period of the season for me. He was at that moment, he was Manchester United's talisman, and it was before the days of this sort of powerful front four that they seem to or even front five that they seem to have developed since the restart but then it was all about Rashford he was the key man Martial was kind of playing more of the Riker goal but Rashford was scoring week in week out it was a great time to to own him unfortunately now it feels like slightly different with Rashford and I know a lot of managers are wondering what to do with him as you saw from the market force as well many selling from um, sending to Mason Greenwood and I've generally discouraged sort of red roulette-esque moves in the past, but. In this particular case, I, I can kind of understand the logic behind it, just because Rashford costs you nine point one, Greenwood costs you four point seven. You could use that money and and you know turn a Campwell type figure into a Mares type figure, or even better than that. So mm-hmm. I can understand a little bit of the logic um, there. And uh, you know Greenwood, he, he he probably looks like the, the must don't forward now. I feel like I had the um, issue with the benching headache last week where I benched a guy and I can fit him in. Um, and that that was foolish of me. And this week, I, I luckily managed to get my bench call right by benching Jimenez. And, and I feel like in a lot of teams, as we saw, Jimenez seems to be the full guy as well. A lot of people selling him up to the blanks. But I think actually in, in terms of the forwards, there are options out there. Danny Ings, who you mentioned, both of us have overlooked him over the course of the season. He's a player I've not owned all season. I think game week 36 for me, he's going to come in yeah. somehow. Um, Brighton and Bournemouth. Um, for those games. I know you're targeting him um, as a possible captain option. He's had four goals since the restart and, again, scored tonight. So he looks um, he looks really good and has had an absolutely great season. And, yeah, the Vardy party, that's back now as well. He's got Bournemouth up next, so you're, you're targeting him as well. I don't see I can fit him in, unfortunately. But Vardy, um, well on the way now to potentially winning the Golden Boots but he does have Obamiyang as well on his tail Bamiang's another player um, <laughs> he's he's overlooked a little bit because of the price 10.9 million he is the most expensive of the um you know, plausible forward options, and I'm excluding Kane deliberately. There, who costs a liver. So you just see
1: he's in the, <laughs> the, well, a ten a ten plus million centre back, isn't he? As you said last. Week. Did you see the data? Yeah, I yeah. tagged you in it on uh, on Twitter, didn't I? The, the, yeah, I just, His data. You're more touching his box than in
0: his form. Of- it was, it was, and he was actually too, he was actually playing quite well as a centre back to be it's a weird one because he was he was there he was Spurs' best centre back in the last couple of games. He's getting all the clearances, all the headers. You know, he's doing a good job back
1: there. Nah, yeah. We are not all laughing. working
0: as a, as a forward. But but I think with Aubameyang I did I think he's probably gonna come in on my free hit on gaming thirty eight as well. he's, he's got to come in, hasn't he for that Watford home match. Um few people might be interested in targeting him in early if you don't have your free hit because he um has Aston Villa away in 37 Watford at home. So he might be another one after he gets um, the tougher fixtures out of the way, though, you know, North London Derby could easily you know, bang a couple of goals against us in that one mm. as well. So he, he definitely represents another option. So I was a bit negative about forwards when we talked about them. In papers, yeah, you were. But now I'm feeling like, oh, you know, there, there are a few guys that certainly can fit into the team. And that's why I'm, I was thinking back to um, the question we got asked at the beginning from. Um,
1: 451
0: from FPL Diablo about the 451 and uh yeah I I think I think you can fit two in I think a 352 seems to be the the optimum right now
1: yeah certainly I think the junior senior uh Greenwood Vardy lineup is where I'm going to be next week and I think the junior middle guy uh Greenwood and Ings is where I'm going to end up eventually Um I mean you mentioned Greenwood there and uh you know at the price we're all gonna be wondering oh is he prone to rotation well Ollie's just been asked um about uh, him they were asked this is he's now first choice and he's turned around and said you can't leave players out when they score goals so I'm guessing he's in the first team for uh, quite a while 4.7 million valley 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 and um, as you mentioned Ings and Vardy looking very very good and um, but unfortunately it's at the expense of Jimenez so I mean we've, we've spoken about this a little bit and in terms of the talisman the majority of the talisman are forwards and fifth to eighth and top 10 point scorers are forwards but since we did that pod that Nick alluded to when we were all just like yeah yeah, you know, Jimenez maybe. Times really are changing Jimenez on the downturn, no shots in the last game, just four shots in the box and no big chances over the last four. It's a poor show in general from Honest Raul and, you know, three of those four games were versus Villa, Bournemouth and Sheffield United. So, yeah, you've got to be kind of wondering why he's not getting a big chance and what's going on there. Maybe the UELs there. Uh, but as you mentioned, there are kind of those players, Ings and Vardy, the Vardy party starting again. Even likes of sexy man Giroud uh, getting in the flow for three goals and five at 6.6 million. Wowie. Um, Vardy, I guess, fits into the target Bournemouth thing. I mean, obviously, I'm not too sure whether it's the case that they were really good or Spurs were really bad. I'm inclined to believe the latter. Vardy has more big chance in the last two game weeks than in the previous nine. And really seems to have rediscovered his touch. Uh, spoiler is coming in for me. He's nailed. Plus he's playing Bournemouth. And he's nailed. I mean, the biggest one, I think, is Rashford. I think that he's just been unlucky a couple of times. I mean, uh, Wan-Bissaka, of all people, missed that huge chance uh, not very long into that Man United game. And the game before, obviously, there are a couple of instances where he could have gone big, and he just didn't. And for whatever reason, it's not quite come together for Ashford.
0: There is that red roulette factor that it could easily be his turn finally next week, (laughs) where he might get a brace. Um, So I'm I'm certainly not thinking about sending him this week. Um, I've I've got Jimenez. So if anyone goes things, it will probably be Jimenez right now. Um, So, but yeah, that would be the following game week for me.
1: Certainly makes sense. All right, and uh, I guess moving on to the midfield then. So as Diablo mentioned, 4-5-1. And these midfielders are now having their heyday, aren't they? Like, you know, Free City, two United, some mix with Pulisic, Salah, Mane, etc. It's all there. We were all wishing there were six spots at the same time. Um, I mean, it's not necessarily the first time that midfielders have had a lot of cash allocated to them. So I mean, at the very beginning, Kevin De Bruyne with 9.5 was just bloody generous, to be honest. People like you and I have been on him since very, very early on and uh, yeah, that's kind of happened. Um, Maller, uh, Mane and Salah at one point was in vogue. Um, I guess many will want to forget this, but in the weeks leading up to game week 24, double game week, uh, when I TC'd Salah and those people TC'd Mane, people had did allocate a lot of some of the fields, which also contained the likes of Song he Min alongside KDB and Mallor. There's a very good point made on Twitter by Neil Murray, actually, that a bit like Messi, Salah's brilliance in particular is just so expected, but it doesn't comment on enough. Not on this pod, because we have sung his praises probably more than any other player, but it's worth noting that he's likely to be the highest point scorer for the third season in a row. He actually did outscore Kevin De Bruyne between game week one and 29. I didn't realise before, but he did. uh, By 186 to 178, Uh, Vardy was third with 175. They're now equal on points as well. And arguably as well, um, Kevin De Bruyne was massively underpriced because he was post-injury at the end of uh, the year before. So coming into this year, he got that kind of unexpected 9.5, sub-10 million price posting. So I think they've had their moments, haven't they? But equally, the likes of my cousin Todd, they've had their moments too. Uh, there's been mid-price kinds of midfielders in the mix, I suppose, throughout the course of the season. Even the likes of Dendonka have had their day, you know, Grealish. Um, But it looks like that 3-5-2 is, is, is here to stay at the moment, isn't it, Nick? And I guess it's the first time this season so much money has been pumped into midfield, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think so. And it definitely feels like five midfielders almost isn't enough with, with the amount of options that are available. And, and certainly none of the five I have right now feel droppable. So it's obviously a forward that seems to be missing out. So I've got Mane and De Bruyne, Pulisic, Fernandez and, and Mahrez right now. And it's just causing me nightmares in terms of who plays in the team and, you know, you know outside of those five too many players and outside of those five I, I'm missing, I haven't mentioned Salah who I obviously don't own but also Anthony Martial, Raheem Sterling, um, Phil Foden who's emerging as a choice and even even William who all sort of represent kind of excellent investments and, and fantastic value for your money right now and I mean it's, it's um it, it also shows in, in who's scoring all the goals so four midfielders have, have scored four goals um since the restart and uh, you know that's more than Forwards in, in terms of forwards, it's only Ings and um, actually Bruno Fernandez now has five goals. So Bruno has five, yeah. unbelievably. Willian Foden, and Martial have four. Whilst in the forwards, it's it's only Ings and Greenwood that have got four. So all the goals are coming in from the midfielders. Uh, midfielders, I've said this a few times before, but they're better value because they also get a point for a clean sheet and an extra point for a goal. So they're just be- they're just better to own in general yeah. because it, you know one goal. Be a midfielder, and I saw it with Sadio Mane. He's only one goal and free bonus brought him from three points to eleven points within, um, which was sort of 16 for me as well. So,
1: yeah, no, absolutely. And you smashed it last week just off the off the base of that. Um, a really good stat here is that uh, since the restart, nine of the top ten point scorers have been midfielders. Ridiculous, uh, and that Bruno Fernandes after tonight's performance has taken him above Willian who was before tonight the top point scorer since the restart, uh, which just goes to show why we've moved to a 3 5 2. Um, and it's completely reasonable to do so because you're just following the trends, following the numbers. There's nothing wrong with doing that at all. Uh, but with nine of the top 10 scorers being midfielders. Are we confused? Is it too much choice? You betcha. It's a really tough uh, kind of scenario where you've got Willian, Kevin De Bruyne, Fernandes, uh, Martial, Brahim Sterling, Phil Foden, Riyad Mahrez, Christian Pulisic, Mo Salah and David Silva, um, who's equal with Aubameyang in equal ninth, all in the top 10. So there's a lot of choice there and it's really hard actually to allocate the resources to try to cover all eventualities. At the end of the day, I think you've got to make a choice and someone's always going to miss out. So for me, it's Martial. Don't own him. And luckily this week, Greenwood has covered that. But over the last couple of weeks when Martial got the hat trick and also uh, when Martial did very well last weekend, it didn't quite happen. It's almost like an inflated situation like with Salah versus Mane, where some weeks you're going to be in clover and other weeks it's not going to quite work for you. With whoever you select and however you select it, you're always going to be missing someone, aren't you, Nick? I mean, is there any way that you can cover everyone? I don't think so, is there?
0: No, I mean, you you can try and cover teams, can't you? And you talk about not having Martial. You've essentially covered him by only Mason Greenwood, or I've covered him by having both Mason Greenwoods and Rashford and and also Bruno, so that kind of works with Manchester United and with uh, Liverpool. I think mean, you've basically got a straight choice between Mane and Salah. Most of Salah with with the City boys, De Bruyne is the obvious pick, but you know you could probably you could probably have three or four, maybe five different options there in terms of who you pick, and it just depends on who plays. And with Chelsea, Pulisic or William, and that's just how you have to view it. Kind of break it down into their core teams and, and think about. Who you want to cover for each fixture and who you're going to play?
1: Who have we got midfield-wise? Then um, I've got, um, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, I've kind of gone with the middle road sort of strategy of having Salah, Fernandez, Mares, De Bruyne, and Pulisic.
0: Basically, got the same except I've got Mane. So uh, same midfield as you, except I owned a guy that got zero points, not seventeen <laughs> points. This this game week, but you yeah. know, Mane, Mane last week he was the one that got the returns. Basically, like. It's I think for the last three game weeks, four of the five have got returns each week. So, you know, it's it's worked out pretty well. Um yes,
1: in general certainly.
0: owning that sort of premium misc. Oh, exactly. Especially especially Bruno Fernandez, who's just just ridiculously good, isn't
1: he? He is. Um he's seems like we have an auto captain at the moment, which we'll talk about later on. Um but yeah, I mean that um again, another whistle stop tour um in, in this uh, restart period through the positions and I guess from reviewing it, it's interesting to see how the money is pushed forward over the course of the season, and it's interesting to see how we've gone from the big at the back, the traditional sort of look at things, all the way forward, um, but not quite to the forwards. I mean, back in the day, it was always three, four, three to make sure you poured all that money into the you Kane, know, Kun, Kaku front line. Nowadays, all about midfielders, as Nick mentioned, the benefits, the men for all seasons is all there to, for all to behold. And I guess that that's kind of how the fashion's at the moment. I mean, is there a best way to spend your money? I probably don't think so. I think it's just the case of kind of saying, well, whatever the trends are, wherever the points are, at the moment, nine of the top 10 point scorers being midfielders is probably a bit of an indication for where the points are. is a good way to optimise your portfolio, uh, to put it in 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 terms that our colleagues will understand.
0: You know, next year, we're probably going to be talking about Bruno being 11. Nike's of De Bruyne will have a price rise as well, price hike, and... You know, some of those other Manchester United ashes, Martial and Rashford, all being expensive. Pulisic might be 10, who knows? So it's going to be a bit of a challenge, isn't it, fitting all these yeah. guys
1: in the next year? I mean, we'll definitely discuss this, I think, on a later pod uh, when we get to it. Um, but I mean, if it happens every year and we'll always find a way to fill out our 100 million come game week one, believe it or not. All right, let's take a break there and move on to the questions after this.
0: So we're back, and we're going to do a quick fire update on who got the assist mini league because obviously the Manchester United match has only just finished. But still at number one, it is Jake Gallagher with Sheffield Wednesday. This game week, he got seventy one points. Um, yeah, and he captained KDB. He's now got two thousand two hundred and thirty two points. He's just having an absolutely fantastic season. So so well done, Jake there. But um, yeah, on his on his tail, fifteen points behind. Um, clear to deficit by six points this game week um, is Hadi Mansour with uh, Kevin 11. He scored 77 uh, points this game week, also captaining KVB. In fact, all of our top five went for KVB. so any Bruno captainers um, would have gained a little bit of ground tonight. But in third, it was Nathan Wollaston with the Woody Ones. He got 72 points this game week. Um, Alex Coates in fourth with Haller at Me, 74 points. And Adam Warner with um, Green Arries up into the top five now with very 94. He got 84 points this game week. So some some fantastic scores there um, from some guys that have had some really, really good, really consistent seasons. So well done all the guys in the
1: mini-league there. Yeah, well done, guys. Um, yeah, fantastic. Uh, especially uh, Jake still uh, still going on. I think he had a two-figure rank uh, last time uh, he had me at the start of the game week. So yeah, long man that continue. A really fantastic performance for all those guys. Right, questions this week. Uh, We actually had quite a few, so thanks very much for all of those. Uh, The first one is a combi question from two friends of the pod. So, FPL Death Star asked, with Liverpool blowing hot and cold, City mildly inconsistent, are there any teams out there at the moment? You would consider reliable? And in a similar vein, uh, Adam at 35who, another friend of the pod, asked, with relegation players now looking fairly decided, can we still count on the likes of West Ham, who lost to Burnley, and Spurs and Arsenal for some semblance of motivation? Or is that dead now too? Basically, is there any reliability left in what we're seeing, Nick? It's uh, definitely falling apart, isn't it, apart from Manchester Clubs?
0: Well, yeah, I think Manchester United would be the obvious answer here. I think pretty much everyone who's active will now be tripled up on Manchester United assets and... And that's because they they are absolutely smashing it, aren't they? They're free scoring They they just look great. Even Paul Pogba looks like he's going to sign a new contract and score the goal tonight. So very much happy days in the uh, Manchester United camp. Something we haven't seen perhaps since the Sir Alex Ferguson era. So definitely a reliable team. And they've still got some great fixtures, haven't they? So United, um, and as you said, Manchester City as well. Next four games. You know, obviously they had a couple they've had a couple of dodgy games for some reason since the restart, but you really have to fancy them against Brighton Bournemouth, Watford, Norwich, they just absolutely smashed Newcastle, didn't they? You know, characters like Kevin De Bruyne certainly can be relied upon and, and there's a few other supporting cast characters that are definitely worth a the punt. The only problem, as we said before, with City is because they've got such a strong playing squad that there's there's probably gonna be rotation, so might be this game week. Then, watching Morris and KDP misses miss out, which would be a bit annoying for us. And, mm. um, and I've, I've been quite defensive at Liverpool. I would still say they're a reliable, reliable team. And we saw it last night that if you don't hold the likes of Mo Salah, you, you're really exposing yourself to risk, aren't you? So, um, Liverpool, I would still be singing their praises and burning at home at next, you know, that's going to shortly going to be a clean sheet, isn't it? So, I, I'd i say all of those teams um And to answer Adam's questions, you know, I don't know if the relegation places are still decided. Like West Ham and Watford certainly aren't safe yet. They need to be top of their game. It would have been open if um, that Callum Wilson goal had not come off um, Josh King. Bournemouth would have actually won tonight and that would have only put them one point behind Watford and West Ham. So um, they have some tough fixtures, Bournemouth, but. Likes of Bournemouth, likes of Aston Villa just need one win. Aston Villa could beat Crystal Palace next game week and it'll be an open race again. So, um, Knights of West Ham really, really need to do well and um, against Norwich up next and Watford up next. So, you can definitely count on their motivation and having focus to, to deliver, and then that, that puts some of the West Ham assets, um, as placed in this option, especially Antonio. I think we've got a question as well.
1: West Ham was mentioned by Adam above, and uh, the question was from FPL Meteor, actually, who asked, you know, is Antonio a worthy punt? And I think that it, with regards to all of this, the Manchesters are the consistent teams. As Nick's mentioned, anybody worth their salt is on three nights at the moment, probably on three nights attackers. I've got Maguire, but there we go. The rest look like a case of consistently inconsistent right now, apart from Spurs, who are consistently terrible, uh, which is why last week I kind of said, uh, look more at the witness of the of the opposition rather than looking at the strength of the team um itself to some extent. West Ham was mentioned above and I guess you know they've got two games good games coming up in Norwich and Watford. And Norwich may especially be a good game to target. I, I know that people who wouldn't be you know, Assets, for example, um would be disagreeing with that. Um but, you know, the likes of uh, Antonio or Bowen um, look like fine punts um, over the next kind of couple of games, right, um, don't they Nick? I mean if there isn't this consistency apart from Manchester teams and we're all probably going to be fairly settled on these players, um, it sounds like. Surely the yes. likes of Antonio are interesting.
0: Yeah, I think Antonio is an interesting asset, certainly with those games, Norwich, Watford, Manion and Aston Villa at home in, in that game week 38. And Antonio, he's actually been performing really well in terms of the underlying stats since the restart. So in the last sort of five games... He's um, had 17 goal attempts, which puts him second only to Mo Salah. So he's getting plenty of chances here. 14 of those have been inside the box as well. So plenty of sort of close range chances. And he's nicked a couple of goals. Um, He's he's, um, actually creating a lot of these chances himself because he's had 34 penalty box touches as well, which is third for all midfielders, only behind uh, Mo Salah and Christian Pulisic. So Antonio is certainly getting into the right positions and creating a lot of chances for himself as well. And uh, In those fixtures, Norwich and Watford, I certainly wouldn't write him off um, in terms of getting a return. And if you're looking at a, a bit a, a real differential, if you're not interested in some of those other midfield assets that we mentioned earlier, you know, they play for the big clubs and fancy, you know, um, someone in a relegation battle playing bottom of the league, then by all means, take a punt on Antonio for sure.
1: All of these sorts of players, especially if you are pushing um, to try to improve your rank, are probably going to be a good idea to fit in. It's just at whose expense, really. So you've got the likes of, you know, Pulisic, who you may perceive everybody owns, 10.6% overall ownership. So so Pulisic is 10.6% overall ownership. Top 100K, that's 25%. So I mean, these players still represent decent differentials. Um, The likes of Antonio, though, are kind of obviously ultra-differentials, which I guess would, if you look at the stats that Nick has mentioned, be of high priority to bring in, that's for sure. I mean, even the likes of you know, Danny Ings are still fairly, um, fairly low-owned in terms of effective ownership. So sometimes it's the case of not looking too far afield. But you know, as I found out with owning Craig Mike Dawson this week, he was 0.3% owned, and that eight points really made a big difference. So having one of these kind of differentials and it paying off it is absolutely huge. Um, and the likes of Antonio could definitely fill that role for people who are looking to really push. So, yeah, there you go. Right, next question. Keepers revisited. Latti asked if we have any updates on the best keeper to end the season with. Um, I mean, Nick, you're, you're sitting prissy with Pope and Martinez, aren't you? Um, but he's got a couple of poor games, Liverpool and Wolves. Are you going to be playing him regardless or are you going to be kind of uh, fooling Martinez and just kind of hoping for the best?
0: Well, I think the unfortunate thing is that Martinez also has some tough games. So I think I'll probably be sticking with Pope there yeah. and just, just playing him as a set and forget for the rest of the season. I mean, this guy's had 14 clean sheets over the course of the season. Incredible record for um a club like Burnley um, and that kind of puts him on the podium right now for the Golden Glove um, even though he's got something like of, of Allison right on his tail and yeah, he, he has been an excellent Goalkeeper over the course of the season. Unfortunately, I've only had him for about three or four game weeks in total. But yeah, um, since I brought him in, I haven't looked back. You know, gone to the forgotten days where I'm in Gazaniga and um, Matt Ryan doing absolutely subtle for my team. But the other, the other goalkeeper that I brought as highlight was the one I had right at the beginning of the season until I sold him on my World Cup. Which then I had goalkeeper disasters for the rest of the season between sort of game week six to game week thirteen until I brought Poe back in, and that's Dean Henson, Denders, and. Um, yeah, he would be the one that I would say perhaps would be the best keeper if you wanted to choose a keeper right now to keep for the end of the season. Um, I thought they'd put in an excellent def- uh, performance against Wolves defensively. And I know Sheffield United have looked a bit suspect um, hmm. at the back since the restart, but there are a number of mitigating factors around that. Firstly, it all started when John Egan got himself sent off. Before that, they were looking pretty solid in that game against Newcastle. Down to 10 men, things fell apart. They also had Jack O'Connell injured. And then the other game that they looked really poor in, Dean Henson was also ineligible for, which was that Manchester United game where they're missing Egan and Jack O'Connell. And Jack O'Connell was back for that Wolves game. And um, he was the man of the match on the match on, on the day with Sky Sports. And they highlighted some stats um, where they he was basically top for all the key metrics, such as like most blocks, most interceptions, all that kind of stuff, um, where they kept an important clean sheet. And I think having that full-strength Sheffield United defence with Jack O'Connell, John Egan, Dean Henderson, Basham as well, um, is really key for um, Sheffield United. And I think, um, yeah, they, they certainly looked a lot better again in that Wolves game. And I'd probably say Henderson. It's, it's, a, it's a toss-up between Henderson and Pope, really, for goal uh, goalie of the season, isn't it?
1: It is and that's heartening for me because i've got henderson so we'll be able to compare over the next few weeks who does well who doesn't um henderson um has chelsea at home leicester away everton at home and southampton away so None of those fixtures look particularly favourable. Um, he is um, in a game week first seven up against Dominic Calvert-Lewin, so I'm guessing that's a clean sheet in the bag. You know, I, I'm stuck with basically uh, Henderson and Alex McCarthy. I think I'm just going to leave it that way. Um, McCarthy himself, he's got Bright- He's got Man United next. He's not going to be playing that. But 36-38, as mentioned, Vings, Um He's got Brighton at home, Bournemouth away, and Sheffield United at home. So that could be three decent fixtures again. That could work well for you if you're looking for that sort of keeper. But really, I mean, are you really going to be looking to move the keepers around at this point? I think it's almost the case. It's just not spending as very much at all. If you're looking to get rid of a keeper for some reason, I don't know why you would. Maybe you're trying to you know, sell Edison to free up a space and you're looking to kind of uh, sell Edison to free up a city space and you know, looking to reinvest that money. I mean, Edison, I think, is probably the highest scoring goalkeeper of them all since, since the restart. But
0: yeah, I mean, should I'd, you be I'd spending probably, that much on a
1: keeper, really? I I'd mean, I I'd
0: Martinez. I'd, yeah, I'd probably say on on Edison. I'd say you you shouldn't sell him. He'd be the player to keep, especially with the sort of you know rotation central of Manchester City. Edison's the one player that's going to play all of those games. Brighton, Bournemouth, Watford, Norwich. You know that could be four clean sheets right until the end of the season so he would be another potential goalkeeper option say say you're flushed for cash say you've got Greenwoods you've got Saka and Foden you, you've got all this money that you don't know what to do with then um you know bring in Edison if you want but uh, as Tom said we wouldn't really encourage people to tinker with the goalkeepers too much and, and focus on the rest of your team and just try and set and forget until the end of the season
1: certainly certainly I mean even with Edison though six million seems a bit luxurious a goalkeeper doesn't it I mean Normal times, the fact that there's no city defender um, would probably mean that you completely divest. If you were, you know, he's the only now member of that city team, but I mean, with a ceiling of just six, it seems like a lot of money to pay. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be tempted to go if you were still wild carding or something, just go with Martinez on his own and just reinvest the rest elsewhere, to be honest. Right, moving on then final furlong frowns uh, the aptly named fpl ptsd says more an observation and possibly related to his twitter name uh, but he's noticed since the restart his fpl approach has been less happy go lucky and more anxiety slash fomo leaning he's been overthinking a lot he says he's still having his best season but he's wondering if anyone else is going over this too and if we can speak to that and i, I think it's, it's definitely one worth mentioning just because i think It can definitely happen a lot, especially if you're as invested in FPL as we are, or if you get more invested in FPL. So it sounds like this guy is fairly new to the scene, or at least he's been there for a year or so, but is having a good season. And suddenly FPL is meaning more and more to him. I think when you get more and more involved with FPL, you start to attach far more emphasis on game week outcomes. And obviously this week I've had a great game week, but in the past I've had horrific game weeks that have impacted me a lot. Um, It definitely can hurt. And we've all been there, we really have. And this said, been done to, just to say, you know, stop overthinking about it, stop being hurt by it. Uh, a couple of tips I've laid on in the past, which I'm going to relay again, are just behavioral nudges to kind of feel better about it. Uh, one is to note down your intended moves when your busting reopens and see how the game week outcome challenges that. I think that's very, very useful. Um, It's probably a way of kind of stopping the self-doubt from creeping in and things like that. And two is just to wait for the red mist to dissipate before making transfers, which also includes alcohol-induced transfers. Um, So, for example, last game week I was angry and I almost bought Kane and almost sold Salah, but... I'm glad I didn't now, and I think that that's kind of an experience that I've learned through the time that we've spent doing this. It's perfectly natural to feel upset, to feel like angry about how your game week's gone, um, but accepting it and de- dealing with it is probably a very good way of doing it. And you get better over time at dealing with it. There's a great thread by, I think it's the FPL Gen on Stoicism, which is worth reading if you can find it. Um, and the final thing to say as well is that if it's obsessing you, for your sake, stop ASAP. It's just the game. Nick, what do you reckon?
0: Yeah, I, I don't think I can add too much more in terms of what you've already said. Um, I think anxiety and, and fear of missing out or FOMO, it, it's its easier said than done to say just try and avoid it where you can because I can I understand that it's kind of just a—it's a natural psychological reaction. I think. In terms of the game weeks we got right now, we're quite lucky that when you have a bad game week, you don't even have time to digest it. I find because the next oh, game is yeah. starting straight away, so it's it's been completely frantic when it comes to FPL. But there have been weeks in the past where it's been like a, a rubbish game week, and then you've got a fortnight before the next Premier League football, and it just hangs over you, and you just feel rubbish about it. But yeah, I think ultimately, yeah, it is, it is a game. It's meant to be fun. we enjoying it we're all having a bit of a laugh And know sometimes people can take things too seriously but you know if you're, if you're having your best season then focus on that focus on the positives you know focus on those good moments those celebratory moments when things do go well for you and and when things don't work out it's just you know I understand it. it's just part of the game and then try and learn from those experiences and and when it comes to sort of FOMO you know try and you know just yeah exactly like you said avoid red mist and try and think logically before making any of your transfers make sure you do your re- your own research you find fine looking at the stats yourself or you know watching match day if you can or something to get a bit of the eye test of any player that you're bringing in and then that way you can hmm. feel that your decisions were vindicated and, and weren't you know a, you know reactionary
1: Exactly, exactly. And linked to FOMO, the king of FOMO, FPL Goops, um, he asked us a similar question around bench woes and selling woes. So existentially, he says, which is worse? One, missing a haul from someone you benched. Two, missing a haul from someone you just sold. Nick, which one are you tearing your hair out about the most?
0: So I think certainly, uh, for me, the answer was clear that what is worse is missing a haul from someone you just sold, because at least with um, when you've missed a haul from someone you benched, you have the player, so you may benefit from any rise of value. That player may have proved himself to be excellent in the game week, then you've got him straight in for your team for the next game week. For instance, Goops in this particular case doesn't need to worry about Pulisic for his upcoming games against Sheffield United and Norwich and being punished yet again because he can play him this week. And um, I've got that with Greenwood. I benched Greenwood. He, you know I was upset, obviously, but at the end of the day I wasn't too upset because it felt like the right decision at the time and I brought him in, but I didn't bring him in. I had him already to, to play and he came straight into my team. If it was a case that I'd sold Mo Salah this week, I'd be feeling really rubbish about it. And you know, The, the reactionary might be like, oh, bring Mo Salah back into your team this week. If you'd sold Salah to bring in Kane, you'd be thinking almost like, I, I, I want to get rid of Kane straight away. I'm going to do the, as a switcher and bring back Kane and do another minus one. You're just basically... Yeah, that's just a lot worse, isn't it? Because you're kind of undoing the decision you made and there's no end, there's no end benefit, at least if you bench the player, you, you own the player that you missed out on the points and you can bring him straight back in.
1: I mean, you've said sold. And when I was thinking about this question initially, I was total opposite. Um, I think both uh, evidence of something called resulting, which I mentioned a few times, outcome bias. So it's deciding the quality of the decision on the outcome versus the strategic approach, the thinking that you've done. And I think if you've made the choice overall to bench or sell a player, that's it as far as I'm concerned. Like you made the choice, you should just kind of try to take that out of your mind. Um, I've become a bit better at being ruthless about it over time. So, for example, last week, benching McCarthy, for example, I didn't get annoyed that he got eleven points and Henson, you got three because I was never going to play McCarthy anyway. So I'm not going to be annoyed about that. Um, and just kind of thinking, yep, he sold, doesn't matter to me anymore, or he's benched, there's a reason I benched that guy, and trusting the fact that I'd done the thinking behind it, to borrow a line from Spock, it was all profoundly logical, and that's the best way of doing it. It's probably sort of something you should probably hold on to and make sure that you're not beating yourself up about, you know, something, a choice that you've made which is completely sound in its logic. Um, I guess it's marginally worse if you weren't 100% who to bench, and if you see those points staring at you, that can be quite difficult. So, you know, with, with uh, Charlie Taylor staring up at Stag this week with 11, if he hadn't played Egan and Egan didn't score that last minute goal, I guess he'd have been a bit annoyed that Egan had got six and uh, and Charlie Taylor got 11. Uh, but I think when you are I don't know, there's always an element of captain hindsight here. And I think there's always kind of you always need to remember there's a good reason you've made the choices you have like if you listen to this pod i assume you're a highly engaged fpl manager and you aren't making new decisions so i wouldn't beat yourself up over marginal which go wrong but listen to what you said i think you're probably right actually compared to the bench like it's one thing to see them looking up at you with 11 points or so it's another thing knowing you've gotten rid like although i've said you know you don't make new decisions every now and again you do have to make that sort of Horrible judgment call. So, thinking about what was earlier on with the VAR and the VAJ, I had to sell Jimenez to buy Rashford that week. Rashford luckily scored, Jimenez got an assist. So, I kind of just about got away with it. But what, sometimes when you sell a player and you feel like you've made a big mistake, then you've got to go back on it. That is a, a huge kind of overturn, especially, you know, like selling Salah this week. A lot of people are now with a horrible quandary of thinking, oh, God, I've got to get that guy back in and you're using our most valuable resource which is uh, which is using transfers so yeah, I guess, I guess maybe you're right, Nick, actually. Um, no, no, I've really thought about it. Um, I think I'm probably going against what I initially thought. Yeah, you're, you're right. I think it is missing that hole from somebody you just sold, if it's somebody you're going to want to buy back in again. If it's somebody who, I guess as an exception, is one of those randomers who you sell like a five million, like an Aaron Moy or something, you, if you sold him to get an enabler to afford a better player, then I'm not going to be too pissed off about that, but if you sold like a salary and then they've smashed it, and you've made a higher risk move, yeah, that 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 those really hurt. Um, I'd be experienced that. All right, and the final question, and also one that helps us segue into transfers and captains, free hit fantasy. So a friend of the pod, Paramtizer, um, says he's got his free hit to play and asks if this game week is a good one to target the likes of Bournemouth with Leicester and Norwich with West Ham. And he'll he says, you know, he's gonna miss out the likes of uh, City and Liverpool to some extent because they're gonna be rotating or at least he's gonna buy players who, you know, like Sterling who didn't start, who he perceives are not going to be rotating that much. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely an interesting week to be doing that free hit. I mean, Nick, you've got a free hit, haven't you? Are you at all interested in doing it this week, or is it all about thirty eight for you?
0: I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be thirty eight for me, but I'm thinking about um Karen's question, you know, you could you could add Manny to that mix if you've got. Salo, if you've got KDB oh, yeah. and Mares, and you're thinking, Christ, it's probably going to be these guys turn to not play, then maybe you could free hit and you could. It's it's always a danger to try and play Pep and try and play Klopp, especially Pep, because you never you've no idea what that guy's going to do ever. But we kind of thinking, oh, when a player doesn't play one week, they're going to play the next, especially with some of these premium assets that have been key members of the team. But you could you could try and take that sort of gamble and think actually. I could pre-hit this week. I could get Vardy in for Leicester. Uh, for Bournemouth, sorry. I could get Mane in for Burnley. I could get um, Sterling in for Brighton. And I could bring in Antonio. And or, or Pulisic as well, if you don't own him. yeah, you, know, you could build a pretty, pretty decent, strong team there. And, um, you know, could could work out wonders. So, if you, if you works for your team, then by all means, it's not, not a bad week to go for it. I'm still... Invested in this whole game week 38 idea for my team. I think that's just going to what's, what's going to work out best. I think, especially since I've got Manai and he didn't play. I think I want him um, for game week 35 anyway. So I'm, I'm pretty happy in Gen- general with my team for 35. It all looks pretty solid and the fixtures all look pretty nice. So I'm not going to make any changes. So I think the 35 have probably not got a free hit. I think I'm saving it for 38. When all the games start at the same time as well. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that there might be some information available in some form or some source that can be utilised. Normally, if I run the main Twitter accounts at like Rockstar, hopefully, I yeah. can give some detail. And I might see you, you know, I think I mentioned on the last pod that Sterling, if he plays Norwich at home, excellent. Or Bamiyang, bring him in for Watford at home. Ings for um, Bournemouth. And, and, uh, you know, even Antonio could be, you know, famed Antonio could play for that. some bit of home match there. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm still kind of an advocate of the 38. I think personally, but you know, if you fancy, if you're looking at thirty five five and fancy it, um, you know, by all means, not going to say don't do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, caution, expect- speculation of the highest order, but you could feasibly cons- conclude. I think that this game week may see a bit of rotation. So, as Nicks mentioned, Mane, Salah. Uh, TAA, Robbo, um, and also the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and Mahrez both started the week. So you might see on this weekend some rotation. there. you, you don't know. I don't know. Um, but if you wanted to look that way, you may kind of look at it as being like, you know, December 28th in the Christmas pile up, And um, given the slog of games you've gone through, that weekend tends to be the worst one of the lot, or that game week seems to be the worst one of the lot. A free hit targeting those teams that Karen's mentioned. Um, playing teams um, like uh, Bournemouth and Norwich. I guess, you know, Leicester and West Ham do have fairly fixed squads. So that might be quite beneficial to, to you in terms of the choice you make. And they could allow you to jump up and jump on as well. Low-owned players like Antonio, Bowen, uh, Vardy, Vardy. Uh, uh, no Manson, of course, but someone else in Leicester f- for one week only, as well as getting in as Nick's mentioned, the likes of Mane, um, who could well be your captain against Burnley. Because if Salah doesn't play, then Mane's going to do very, very well. I am expecting Salah to play, by the way, just because I think he'll be looking for the golden boot. But, but there you go. And you know, maybe you'll have the chance as well to grab that United player you haven't quite, you know, got around to owning yet. So, uh, so there you go. I mean, as always, you you know the risks, but I think that there's definitely a fine case of the free hit this week. In the same way as Nick said, there's probably a fine case to do it on the final day. Um, also, the benefit of Nick's uh, free hit 38 is that he can dead end into 37 as well. So just make a uh, game week 36 and 37 heavy transfers and then kind of think, yeah, you know what, this is it, game week 37. I'm going to just get a random uh, 38 team together and off we go. So pros and cons to ways of doing it. I'm sure there's, a, there's always a, a good reason to do whatever you do. Right, and transfers and captains. What are we going to do this week? I uh, have already confirmed my transfer this week. Uh, I confirmed it after the game before we podded, uh, which is Vardy in uh, for Bournemouth. This is a little bit different though to my initial strategy. So last week I said, Operation target Bournemouth, off we go. Unfortunately, because I've got an 119 it now looks like rather than 121 points, oh, big boo, um, I probably am going to captain Bruno like basically everyone else is going to do. Um I think looking at an EO with two hundred percent, the guys on fire, it's gonna be really, really hard to go against that, especially at home. i I I'm not I think that my risk even my risk appetite is is not quite there with Bruno. Um this week there was a little bit of risk appetite because I thought that Bruno and KDB were fifty fifty and everybody went to KDB. So I thought I'm gonna zag and go to Bruno on the split. This week I don't have that appetite. I'm probably going to captain Bruno against against Southampton. Nonetheless, I'm going to have Vardy. He'll be my vice. He's nailed. He's playing Bournemouth and he's nailed. Um, and it's a case of bye bye Jimmy. Um, if he hurts me, as I mentioned a second ago, with the answer to uh, Gucci's question, I actually don't mind really. It's a decision I was always going to make. I made the case. Um, I, I, I laid the groundwork uh, with the Dawson bye for uh, for Matt D. And it's just a case of how sunk cost that fallacy is um, over the next kind of uh, a few days. But yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with my team. I do think this weekend, idle speculation alert is going to be a bit of a rotation war zone. I'm, I've am i got Mahrez, I've got KDB, I've got Salah, I've got TAA, I've got Greenwood. Okay, uh, Bruno's not going to be rotated, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Mares, De Bruyne, Salah, and TAA, two, three of them being rested, and my whole bench to be involved. My whole bench is Dominic, Calvert-Lewin, embarrassingly, uh, Seiss, and Taylor. I wouldn't be surprised for a lot of people to be scrabbling to get 11 this game week. I think it's just kind of reaching that December the 28th sort of level at the moment of tiredness. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm fairly kind of happy. Um, I'm going to execute my plan. But as I mentioned, I'm going to swap the captain from Vardy, how it was going to be when I was really chasing to Bruno now I've got something, something vague to defend and a way to move
0: forward, I suppose. Nick, what are you doing? Yeah, that's interesting actually. I was so surprised, but I thought you were going to go for Vardy and, and just shoot for the moon, to be honest. But just uh, I don't know. Um, I was just looking because I originally had it on Bruno personally, and I was thinking about Southampton a little bit and just how how defensively solid is. it's not. Ings has obviously been doing business with them, but they've also mm-hmm. been pretty. Solid I mean, uh, I mean the key, the key, the key thing to remember, him. of
1: course, is that the key thing, of course, to remember is that a lot of people were saying that Aston Villa had the third best defence since the restart, and they lost three 0 to United. Like, they Bruno's on on it at the moment, and United really as a unit are on it. And I just think, mm. um, in normal times, if I was really pushing for it, like, if I didn't have this week, I'd have gone for Vardy. That's for sure. But because I've had this week and because I want to just continue the momentum, I think just leaving it on Bruno and just treating him as also captain now is probably the best way to go. I remember like the year when you captain Salah all the time, my first year doing WTA, you absolutely smashed it because you kept that consistency, you kept it simple. This guy keeps scoring, keeps scoring. You kept saying week after week, this is what I'm going to do. Captain Salah, you did really, really well. Um, I think I've got to take a leaf out of that book and just keep going on Bruno. I think that's just kind
0: of the way I'm
1: looking at it now.
0: Yeah, fair enough. He was my initial captain, but I think um, I've got Greenwood and Rashford, so I'm already tripled up on United attackers. Essentially, captain Bruno would mean quadrupled up for my team. So, right, I think that would kind of like four United attackers. It seems a bit. Uh, well, obviously, they did fantastically, but I thought you know what you said to me about Mane actually, saying he was he was a perfect captain. Really, I'm, I'm kind of thinking maybe I should go for him. So that's kind of who I'm going for. With the armband now, I think i would just go for Sadio Mane and say so you've you've given me a zero pointer. Um, you've given me a, you've given me a zero pointer, <laughs> but you know now now you need to reward me and try and. it's there's a sort of like a psychological element to that. But I think maybe I think we just go for let's go for um, Mane. I think I'm not going to do any transfers Get the boring and roll and then have two three transfers and. Formulate some form of Danny Ings plan with that, but even if one of those guys, you said it might be a week of rotation. I've got Jimenez and Sias on the bench, and Everton are pretty rubbish, so they might be. Um, if they come on, it won't be the end of the world. Though, knowing from you he probably do some sort of like give me a one pointer for Morris, one pointer for KDB, like you did last week. Cool. So, thanks everyone for listening. We were who got the assist. Um, we're going to be back again on Monday, Is this another lightning turnaround, so tomorrow's going to be like, probably today for you, is going to be the first day in ages that there's no football and the last day in ages that there's no football because it's constant, so our next part will be Monday night and uh, yeah, we look forward to recording that.
1: Yep, hopefully Stag will be back for that. I'm sure he will be. Got over his migraine by then. But yeah, it's a quick turnaround. Um, and I'm off to another night shift now, ahead of my fifth anniversary tomorrow. So yeah, I'm going to have to try to be awake, coherent and loving from uh, about nine o'clock. Like I've got a day off, so it'll probably be all right. Uh, but in the meantime, if you don't want to hear about that, I hope this assists you with game week 35. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist?